Begin Podfix Network transmission in 3, 2, 1. 30 seconds and counting. Astronauts report it feels good. T-minus 25 seconds. 20 seconds and counting. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. 12, 11, 10, 9, ignition sequence start, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0, all engine running, liftoff, we have a liftoff. You're listening to It's Not Rocket Surgery on the 8.9 Northwest SF. You didn't even have your headphones on and I blew, blew out your eardrums. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I point you to the trace to support my case for covering my ears. That's what you call a marker band. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, we're back. Back for the first time in it's four ages. weeks. Ages. Four weeks we've been off the air. It's, Through various reasons. Oh, you know, there's so many stories we won't go into it. No. Uh, it's not rocket surgery back here on 98.9 Northwest FM and in podcast form in the future. Uh, this Sunday, sun, this soggy Sunday. Yes, it's very. Very soggy, saturated Sunday, the 18th of September, 2022 for episode 323. Woo! 323. 323. It's second Mazda. Because <laughs> we had one to one. That's right. Three to three. We've got a while before we get to six to six and nine to nine. Oh, yeah. So, but yes, episode three to three. Uh, in the studio with me, Vlado, for this uh, special ride that will be episode three, three to three, three or, or just three, as they, Mazda now calls it. Yep. <laughs> Is uh, Andrew, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm here. I'm healthy. <laughs> All things <laughs> were, were, were more questionable in previous weeks. <laughs> uh, yes. So, good to see you back here. So, look, like Indeed. I said, if. Last show we did, uh, you, Tony, and I yep. was the twenty second, twenty first of August. Wow! So yes, four weeks four ago. Weeks. Uh, speaking of Tony, Tony is uh, on a jet plane, flying away so, to Seattle. Yes, so he's off for safe travels, Tony. Indeed. Um, and look, we got we got a message from uh, Maria, Woo! all the way from Greece. She said to say hello to uh, hello whole, Maria, to whole crew, yourself, yeah. Jeff, and uh, Tony, and yes. uh, she's enjoying the uh, lovely weather in Greece. And so, yes, we'll, it would uh, be much warmer and drier there than it is here. Yes, you know, I wasn't a little bit jealous. So, but you know, all good. It was weird. I was at my mum's this weekend, and I was, I stood on what was the driveway. Mm-hmm. Well, and. Uh, the water was such that the ground actually felt spongy. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, I don't recall this happening mm-hmm. for a long time. Yeah, well, I um, noticed how saturated the lawn is. Just you hear it sloshing underneath. It's been a while since I've had this. So yeah. Even with the rains we've had over the past year, it's never gotten to the super saturated. super saturated. Yeah. So it's a super saturated Sunday. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Uh, so what, what's news in the world of uh, Andrew? 
I don't know, more of the no, same. More of the same. No, nothing's really changed. I, I, I am roughly where the, I was four weeks ago, just healthier. Healthier. Well, that's, that is a positive. <laughs> yes. So, and I'm not the same. So, yeah. How about we, we, we've got plenty of other uh, stuff. Yes. We've yes, four we have weeks of up. stuff that we can catch up on. We will, there is no way, shape or form that we're going to get through all the stuff to, that nope. we've got in the, uh, in the, uh, Trello. The Vale's alone almost, uh, well, there's only one. <laughs> but it is a significant Vale. That uh, is true. So Queen Elizabeth, uh, passed away, um, as, look, if, even if you are hiding under a rock for the past two weeks, you, you it was will, hard to avoid. So you will not have avoided this one. Um, but we've got lots of other stories. We've got, um, what, what did I promise? I promised, uh, that I promised that we'll talk about, uh, the Ignobles. Yep. That was uh, on oh, last cool. week. Yep. We, we And we always talk about the Ignobles when they're on. Um, we'll talk about the Artemis 1 launch, the, mm-hmm. f- the two failed attempts in the upcoming one. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, the blow up of uh, SpaceX. The blow up of SpaceX. Well, the, the, I think there was a. Um, there was, there was a, 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 yes. An a, uncontained <laughs> a gaseous emission. It was. It was. Uh, involving fire. It was. <laughs> Uh, thankfully, astronaut-free launch. Yeah. So it was just taking cargo, and the cargo, I believe, uh, returned safely. Yeah, I think I think it was a it was a, it was in the recovery part that mm. everything went kind of yeah. sideways. So we'll we'll talk about that. Um, even though it's not in the, in the running list, uh, uh, we'll talk about uh, RPGs mm-hmm. with the uh, 40th anniversary of uh, Dungeons and Dragons recently. Yep. Um, and there's looks there's, there's uh, a lot of AI and tech news. That'd be cool. Um, we'll talk about. Uh, Cheating chess champions. Say that five times fast. Yeah. Um, we can even talk about movies because I finally on. saw Maverick. Did you? <laughs> so we can talk about Maverick. The, the, actually, Maverick's on the or Maverick uh, adjacent stuff yeah. on the, on the running list. Um, on entertainment, we saw, I saw Thor: Love and Thunder the other day. Okay. And there was something else. We've uh, oh, we saw the first episode of uh, the Rings of Power. Oh, okay. Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. TV and well streaming series yeah so um, weirdly I have Amazon Prime so I could probably watch it you could watch the first ep- four episodes because they're released so uh-huh. they are you could watch that yeah. um, uh, so and we've got some some um, other stuff biology stories that Michelle sent us Will sent me during the last week you could, this is this is down your alley this is down your alley anything or basically anything about you know Appendages or or Uranus or, or <laughs> she, she, look, she's a loyal listener. She is a loyal. She listener. She knows our stuff. Uh, if, if you know our stuff and you want to say hello, you can do so on Facebook or on Twitter at R C K T S R G O Y. That's rocket surgery with no vowels. <coughs> or you can send us a um, a, a call, a text message on our on our devices. Um, we don't share those numbers. No, no. If you know them, you know them. You know them, you know them. Um, and look. It, We'll read them up. We'll, we'll go through the stories, you know, play some tunes, shoot the breeze, you know. If you've heard the show before, you know the, you know the routine. Science, <laughs> technology, and geek culture in compressed into, like, four weeks of science, technology, and, and geek culture one. into compressed into two hours. Yes. A little bit. One uh, show, two yeah, hours. Two hours, you know. Um, so, perhaps before we go to a station break and a song, we can maybe do these Vales. Yeah, well, let's do it. The Vale. The Vale. So, I guess he's... Uh, um, haven't really heard much um, other than any other valets. Oh, there was um, Uncle Jack. Oh, yes, so he, yes. So uh, that's actually extraordinary. You know, significant in and of itself. Yes. 
So that was, uh, we'll, but we'll probably leave that for maybe we'll, we'll talk about that in depth next week. Yes. Or the next time we're on. <laughs> hopefully next week. Hopefully, hopefully next week. But uh, Queen Elizabeth, the uh, longest reigning British monarch in history, the second longest um, monarch in the world. Mm. Um, they never actually said, I never actually who, was the longest? who the longest one was. But um, 70 years on the throne, um, aged 96. Yep. Um, passed away a week and a half ago. I think it was a Thursday. The cruel and unkind, mm. aka people paying attention, um, may think that uh, she took one look at Liz Truss and said, "You know what?" Yes, it basically was three days after she um, swore Liz Truss in yeah. as the new prime minister. So that was a Monday, and I think it was a Thursday she passed away. That yeah. uh, the, the the announcement of uh, London Bridge has uh, fallen down. Yes. Um, that uh, yeah. It, it's hard to overstate her significance in many ways, just mm-hmm. in terms of just purely as um, a fixture in the world, mm-hmm. as uh, the end of an era. Yep. Um, in many ways, she she was a binding thread across many generations. Mm-hmm. Of, of uh, England, yep. English people, well, British people, Commonwealth people. The Commonwealth, yes. Um, and that's the thing too. I mean, I think she single-handedly kept the, for a better term, the brand going. Mm-hmm. Um, even with all of the scandals that existed around her and around her children, like in terms of like around her as in her sister. Yeah. Just and her husband, you yeah. know, like just kept going. Was uh, still like just that whole. Um, it's almost like it's okay because the queen is still there. Yeah, and she was normal compared to those around her. She exactly. appeared normal. She appeared normal. Yeah. Now, I mean, how much of that is curated image, and how much of that is her? You'll never know. But you'd, you'd think there's an element, uh, a degree of curated image for all the the monarchs. I would say, given. Uh, all the all the all the royalty rather than all the monarchs, but yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, um, I would say this is not a, a common. Uh, as I put my hands up in a strange gesture, mm-hmm. um, it's not a common like it, it wouldn't be something you would expect happens for every passing monarch, mm-hmm. even one of her age and yep. lineage and distinguished, you know. Significance. Yeah. It's more just a case of, I think, I mean, the the fact that uh, people are willing to uh, join a queue that's like 17 hours long, mm-hmm. or whatever it is, um, to walk past yep. her lying know, in state. Lying in state. Mm-hmm. For a modern world, yep. like this is something that, you know, you may have done, you know, in, year, in ages past, mm-hmm. because that's probably the only time you, you, you kind of see. Distant monarch on a balcony. Yeah, person I, in a box. I think a lot, and, of and, and and that's it. Like that's that's your that's as close as you're ever going to get to yeah. royalty. But I think in this, it's this isn't just like laying flowers at, you know, Buckingham Palace. Mm. This is a she had a unique ability to generate a personal connection with any stupendous number of people. Yes, and that cannot be faked. No, that's not something you can cur- cur- curate. No. And well, I guess it's hard to know what that was, what what that that ingredient that she had that that was lacking from others, 
Um, but I mean, I we, think we've had the capacity to know that she was probably the most important person in the room. Mm. But then to put that completely to one side. Yeah, and that's that's what I've heard time and time again about people who have met her. And basically, it was like when the cameras were there, she, it was all pomp and ceremony. But when uh, they're just talking, they're not just talking. It was actually a, a, a real, genuine, empathetic person that they were talking to. So they felt, well, like like a connection to like their mother or their grandmother. Or, mm. So it was. Uh, I guess that's where the 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 reality for pe- people's experience with her was so and that gets out people hear about that people know that uh, if you were a terrible person in private that would have gotten out correct you can't i mean just hide that just much. look what's happening with king charles with the, the videos that are getting out uh, the, the oh, last look, week there's no question there are a bunch of people now who are having you know have got the knives out mm-hmm. because yeah they also know that, um, to be brutally honest, Charles is not going to last anywhere near as long on the throne for well, obvious no. reasons. Well, he's, he's, in, he's coming to the throne at the age, what, 76? Yeah. Um, I mean, he, the longest, or 73, longest apprenticeship ever for a uh, Well, again. But, yeah, he, but then uh, so I suspect he realises he's there for, for a better term, a good time, not a long time. Yeah. And so he will uh, be his kind of king. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be different to how his mother yeah. was. You know. Um, and then William will ascend the throne mm-hmm. and he will be a different king again. Yep. Now, whether the monarchy remains the monarchy over the next two yep. kings remains to be seen. Yep. But that's what probably made Queen Elizabeth so powerful. And I don't mean power is in like, oh, power, yeah, like Galadriel in, you know. She's a a binding agent. She's. But everyone thought she was, to use a cliche, Mm. she was a safe pair of hands. Yes. She wouldn't do anything undignified. Yeah. She wouldn't do anything controversial. Mm -hmm. By her very nature, it would seem she is conservative mm-hmm. without being reactionary conservative. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like conservative as in she wanted to conserve yeah. what it meant to be. But I think British. she I think she also recognised that people in the realms, as uh, Charles put it in his uh, his speech, um, that they are the makers of their own history and if they choose to leave the commonwealth or leave the uh, stop becoming a stop being a constitutional monarchy and become a republic as many had did during queen elizabeth's reign mm. that's that's their own that's up to them and and uh, i mean they didn't go to war they didn't they didn't stop them they didn't even try to talk them out of it it was yeah. like you decide what you want to do we'll respect whatever and i think that's where a lot of the um uh, a lot of respect for the Queen comes from that approach to let let the the nations which she ruled over decide their own fate and become mature and become independent like like a parent does with children. Okay, at some stage, and it's funny because I mean, to a certain extent, that has its own set of problems Correct. given the nature of empire mm-hmm. versus and the, the whole colonial history and all the, all the baggage that comes with that and all the all exactly. The- I mean. She wasn't a. Uh, it's not like they sent out a whole bunch of colonies into essentially uncharted and unpopulated mm-hmm. wilderness, and then 
those nations grew up from those colonies. Yep. It's very much a case of uh, these were seeds planted in soil that was already growing other things. Yeah, you know, so uh, it's always going to have a. Um, a controversial or multi-dimensional history. Mm-hmm. And by extension then, and this is where <coughs> um, Charles will be an interesting barometer of what goes ahead. Mm-hmm. Because for a start, her shadow is going to be over a lot yep. for a while. And the very nature of her being a stabiliser may actually make people go, well, now that she's gone, yeah. now is the time to move. God knows there's been plenty of people saying that sort yeah. of stuff. And, yeah, and look, a lot, of, a lot of people have been trying to get um, Anthony Albanese to talk about when we're going to be a republic, and look, to his credit, he's been saying now is not the time. Mm. Let's, let's, let's bury her. Let's, let's have some sort of gap between this period of mourning and when and we have start. have a mature conversation. Absolutely. So. Yeah. And again, uh, it shouldn't be a... Um, I don't believe it should be a decision that's rushed. No. The same way as uh, voice to parliament, uh, ICAC. Mm-hmm. I get concerned when people hold on to promises that were made under one set of circumstances. Yeah. And then when those circumstances have changed to the point where it is not unreasonable to reconsider those mm-hmm. agreements... To blindly just say, well, because we promised it, yeah. we're going to do it. Or <laughs> because we didn't pitch it, we're not going to talk about it. Yeah, I mean, and look, with, with ICAC, they, they had they had tabled that they were going to be talking about it this week. This week, and obviously kiboshed because of what's now, going on. Now, if that means it slides to being in by the first part of next year, that, that should be fine. That should be acceptable. Now, if it means it doesn't get done this, this, this term, that's a different story. That's okay, and there's and, it's, and there's no reason for it not to be done no, this time. No, in and fact, I, actually, I don't uh, think there's any indication that that's the, the intent. But I think that's 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 the difference. A promise that is is broken in terms of, or oh, not, we're not going this week. We're going next week. That's not a, a, a broken promise. In that, it's it's taking advantage of circumstances. You got to be and look, the people have to be understand. That's right. That's right. I mean, again, this is what we're finding. If you're going to have a Republican debate, as in, will we become a republic? Mm -hmm. There's an awful lot to unpack in that. Yeah, and you you could do it wrong, and we end up having the the, sort of the the. um, Well, the question is, how much power does the head of state have? mm -hmm. They have to have some power. Can't purely be ceremonial, otherwise it's just a fig leaf. Yeah, but at the same time, one of the virtues of you know, the current system, is that there's centuries Mm. of propriety and um, convention Mm -hmm. that, to a certain extent, constrain action. However, as we've seen in recent times, convention is no obstacle if you want to change. Mm -hmm. I mean, and in a mature world, it shouldn't be. No. Because otherwise you're a prisoner of the past. But at the same time... Um, people need to understand, well, if certain things are happening and they shouldn't happen, yeah. well, you can't just sit there and go, oh, what will we do about it? Yeah. You, you kind of have to go, all right, well, if we're going to switch to a republic, um, just because Queen Elizabeth was a benign, distant mm-hmm. monarch from the point of view of exercising 
you know, temporal power in the country. Yeah. That doesn't necessarily mean that every king or queen will have, will exercise a similar restraint. Mm-hmm. Um, now, there are laws and conventions that do constrain certain things and they've had all sorts of historical shenanigans to, to back that up. But a lot of it is a convention which just basically says, do nothing yeah. unless you absolutely have to. Mm-hmm. You've got a certain job to do, do that job and try and stay away from it. It's almost like under no circumstances get involved in any controversy yeah. locally. You do not pass an opinion. You do not tell people what to do. You always act on the advice of the local government and you go with that. Yep. Even when potentially that's not necessarily the correct decision, it's mm-hmm. the correct decision. It's kind of like umpiring in a game. Yeah. You know, there are times when you want the umpire to get involved, but in reality, if the game goes the whole way through and you barely notice the umpire is there at all, that's actually a good game. Correct. And so... What happens in a system where you're changing umpires mm-hmm. from republic from monarchy to republic? Yep. Well, you don't have all of that historical precedent and um, convention and um, distance. Yeah, you know the new head of state will live here. The new head of state will be an Australian. Yeah, the new head of state, in all likelihood, will be either voted directly by the public mm-hmm. or appointed by parliament. Yep, and both have pros and cons. Exactly, and. That needs to actually be discussed in a mature fashion, mm-hmm. you know. And by extension, what is the limitations of being the head of state? What What is Parliament's um, rights, duties and obligations yeah. versus what the head of state is? And there are a lot of examples of, of other nations. And what happens when you break those? There are a lot of nations who have already gone down this path mm. and there are a lot of different models in terms of the amount of of power that rests in the head of state in in different countries. So you can sort of almost go and do a a a study tour and actually see or how does how does Trinidad do a republic? How does how does all And the other- fact of the matter is there's an awful lot of convention that's wrapped around every system mm-hmm. because there has to be. Yep. I mean every every game I've ever played mm-hmm. uh the rules go to a certain point. Yep. And then there's uh, this grey space that can be either interpreted as if it's not allowed, it's mm. denied. Yeah. And if it's not denied, it's allowed. Yeah. You have to have some convention that exists in your system yeah. that provides an answer to that question. And also, well, what happens when someone decides to say, well, it's not written in the rules? Mm-hmm. What do you do? Yeah. And that doesn't matter what presidential model you or head of state model mm. you roll with. Yeah, yeah. And look, I mean, uh, there was a discussion I heard, um, I think one of the podcasts I was listening to, basically you can point to numerous presidential systems that are failing right now. I mean, autocracies and, and, and mm. democracies that are almost autocracies with, with the whole uh, January 6th. And yeah. so... Um, but so at the same time, if this is the popular will of the people, correct. even though you think to yourself, why would the people vote for an autocracy? Mm-hmm. It's like, well, maybe they're voting for a government where something happens <laughs> because they're sick to death of talk fests where nothing happens. Oh, but and that comes, what came to mind was basically be careful what you wish for because well, you could end up with... Some people will benefit and other people will be punished. Yeah. Because yeah. everyone comes with baggage. Correct. So, look, I mean, I guess those are discussions that will be had in, in coming months, if not years. Um, and, look, we'll see. Um, but, yes, I think 
The my suspicion is it's a case of until someone can make a compelling argument to change, yeah. it has zero chance. And of look, New out. Zealand said they've got no interest in changing. Canada have said they're not even going to talk about it. So I think the fact that we have had a referendum back in the late nineties mm. that sort of we're sort of more. But that was a clever way it was phrased. It was a case of oh, that was deliberate sabotage by the. If you like, we only presented you with one monarchy model. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, one head of state model. Mm-hmm. And it's a case of this is the model you're choosing. Yes. So it's either this. Yeah. Or, and since people at the time wanted direct representation, they didn't trust. A portion of them did. A uh, portion didn't. So, but that split the, the Republican vote to basically say, oh, well, actually, no. If I don't get my preferred model, then yeah. my answer is no. So basically, you know, he divided and conquered. So mm. he being John the Howard. Fr- the Prime Minister of the time. He was... Uh, <laughs> well, he was a staunch monarchist and he didn't want the system to change, but you could argue he, he gave everyone their chance. He mm. had the Republican convention. Yeah. I mean, you can look at it and you can go, he, you know, definitely there was a thumb on the scale. Yes. Yeah. But if, as other decisions have shown in the past... If people really want to change, no amount of political thumb on the scales no. will change things. And look, I mean, it, it was it was political. Yeah, it was. It I think was, there was just a bunch of people who thought to themselves, it seemed like a great opportunity to do it. We were coming up to you know, you know, the year two thousand. Yeah. It seemed like new century, new, yeah, yeah. new country. You come up to hundred years of federation. Exactly. Yeah. Let's 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 mature as a country and, yeah. and, and go forth. And obviously, we weren't mature enough. Well, I think there was still enough people in the country who had a powerful personal connection to the previous mm. way of things, yeah. and they hadn't shifted. No, I mean, I imagine if you had the exact same vote under the exact same conditions this time, you would probably find there was a shift just because demographics demographics uh, have changed. Oh, actually, surprisingly, I've heard some some stats saying that basically um, only thirty percent of the population now support. Um, a republic, whereas back in the late 90s, it was closer to 50%. And I think there were certain things that were happening back then mm. that gave it, like, kind of put it in people's brains. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, uh, now there isn't that same kind of powerful... Uh, <laughs> um, Jeff just sent me through something talking about uh, Pretty Patel... Uh, breaking news, MI5 of today denied claims that they've withheld intelligence from the Home Secretary, Pretty Patel, stating that if anyone's guilty of that, it's God. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, uh, for people who don't know, Pretty Patel was the former Home Secretary. Yes. <coughs> and a human being who is struggling to hang on to that label <laughs> with the, her decisions yeah. with regard but to look, the suffering of others. To be perfectly honest, I think... All the the potential replacements for Boris Johnson have suffered of that to differing degrees. Oh, very much so. So um, Michelle was uh, texting while we've been talking. Uh, first one was ears are bleeding. I guess that's to the why to the start. start. Um, and Michelle's chimed in with uh, some fact checking for us. Thank you, Ooh. Michelle. Uh, French King Louis the Fourteenth is the longest reigning monarch, having served as monarch for more than seventy two years after having taken the throne at age four. So I guess a portion of that would have been uh, he would have had a regent who was looking after him, or is it? Yeah, that was that's the whole Cardinal Richelieu. Yeah. Uh, so, thing I think if, if memory th- serves correctly. Thank you for being brains trust, Michelle. Thank you, Michelle. All right. Um, look, we sh- it's <laughs> eleven o'clock. We should probably move on. So, just quickly before um, we d- leave this, the, the topic of Queen Elizabeth's passing, um, 
as you mentioned, people queuing for up to 20 hours to see the body in state. <clears throat> it was a similar story when she was laying in rest in, in Edinburgh before they moved her down to from, London. From, from uh, Edinburgh yeah. to, to, to London. People, it, it, it's, <coughs> I do not believe in my lifetime I will see anyone else in any country under almost any other circumstances except maybe the Dalai Lama mm. that will generate a similar response to their followers. Correct. No. Um, <coughs> and so basically she's being uh, laid to rest um, on Monday. Um, we have a public holiday on Thursday. That allows... Day of morning. Day of morning. Um, uh, post- Coincidentally... Mm. <laughs> This week has also got because we are the best state in Australia. <laughs> I am not accepting any uh, contrary arguments, weather notwithstanding. Um, but because it's grand final week yep. uh, here, so we got um, Friday off as well. Friday is the day before the grand final. A few years ago, was made to a public holiday, yep. and coincidentally, it just means that we get a four day weekend. Uh, weekend. Yep. Unlike every other state where they're going to have to basically just chuck a sickie on Friday to have the same thing. Yeah. Um, and one, one other story was I saw that David Beckham sort of was in the queue, uh, wanted to yeah. go, go past the uh, – just lining up with everybody else yeah. and he felt basically this was a shared moment um, mm. in history and he wanted to share it the same way everyone else was doing it in the queue. He was oh. offered offered a express pass. Mm. Um, but he, he, he chose not to. So you know, he he said he was enjoying the sandwiches and the donuts and the and the and the tea. And, and that's what I'm talking about. This yeah. is very different. This isn't queuing for tickets. No. This isn't. Uh, it's not people queuing up to get something. Yeah. No, it's, it's that's, to be that's part, what makes it. It's to be part of something. It's like yeah. Did did you? Go and see. It's like nine eleven. It's like what, when when did you hear about it? What was your? It's like. And while I'm, um, I won't say impressed, but it. I will say impressed. Actually, I will say impressed. I'm impressed by people's dedication. Mm-hmm. I myself know, without a shadow of a doubt, it is not something I would do. Yeah. Because I cannot imagine a set of circumstances where I would do something like that. Michelle knows that I do not like to wait, and I would not choose to wait in line for 20 hours not even to bond with everybody as part of a shared experience i think the there's you know I mean? there's, there's a degree of the shared experience just being alive at this moment and and being exposed to the news and watching all the abc readers record uh, follow the protocol of wearing black during mm-hmm. this period of morning there there are other things that i can share in without having to stand in line for 17 20 hours i do find it funny that it seems like almost every morning news presenter Basically jumped on a plane and flew to. Me. Well, yes, yeah, it's, it's it's crazy. <laughs> but anyway, all right, we need to do a station break. We'll do a song. Um, and then we'll be and back with other stuff. I've, I've picked some some uh, Queen or uh, Queen related or uh, monarchy related type of songs. Uh, Very good. So we'll we'll do those th- uh, throughout the uh, evening. It is uh, four past not eleven here on eight point nine Northwest FM. It's not rocket surgery with uh, Andrew Alvado, episode three hundred and twenty three. This eighteenth uh, of September, twenty twelve. We'll be back shortly. And we're back. Yes, that was uh, Queen with uh, who, who Who wants to live forever. Yes. Um, from yes. the Highlander movie. For the, from the Highlander movie. That's right. So, uh, look, and we'll play a few more. 
Queen-esque esque related stuff. Not necessarily the band Queen, but, you know, related yeah. to the passing of the Queen. All right, uh, how about we talk about some other stuff? Yay. Yeah, so the Ignobles, I think, probably uh, something Next that... Next cab off the rank. So um, the Ignobles, for those people who don't know what it is, basically it's the... Uh, for re- research that makes you first laugh and then think. Yes. So... Um, it tends to not be about things that are... Critically important to the world of science and the future. Correct. But it, this is real science, so the real papers that are written. Um, and uh, yeah, so there's, um, you know, it usually just makes you, uh, at first you go, well, why would anyone do that sort of research? But sure enough, it is uh, it is valuable and uh, interesting. So how about we go through some of these. Let's do it. This story. So, um uh, innovation to improve safety for roads and Swedish drivers has won uh, one of this year's Ig Nobel Prize. Basically, how they do it? It's a crash test setup for moose crashes. Ooh. So basically, because moose, like most large animals, they go where they want to go. Correct, and that includes roads. But the thing is, they have very long legs. And a very high center of mass. Which means when you hit them, they don't go bang and then fall in That's front right. of the vehicle. So the crumple zone for the car does not actually do anything. It's like a low-level crash tackle that uh, takes out their legs. Correct. The problem is then their body goes straight through the windscreen. Correct. So, um, yes, yeah, so uh, an IT engineer, Magnus uh, Gens, uh-huh. uh, basically created a, uh, a test rig up, uh, test setup for them to allow to do crash tests with to a, enable them to, to test a, a crash worthiness against moose impact. Yeah. So and you, I mean this, these collisions are, are gold. The, the, I imagine it'd be very so interesting to watch. The video footage of a, a yellow Volvo running into a moose crash test um, dummy. So inside the car is a crushed regular crash test dummy. Yep. Um, but basically there's this uh, large mass of uh, something on stilts. On, yeah, on stilts basically, and they crash into the legs. And uh, they see I'm what assuming happens. that at least one or two cars had the top of the car ripped off. Basically, it's it the it's a decapitation act. <laughs> pretty much the 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 uh, crash test dummy in the car does not fare well. Fare well. Um. It, well, it is fare well. It is fare well. <laughs> Um, but yes, uh, so yes, that was that was a good one, um, and I guess some of the other ones. Uh, I'm looking for the whole link. So um, there's a list of the the a full list of the 2022 Ig Nobel winners. Each team receives a cash prize of a trillion dollar bill from Zimbabwe. Nice, um, which I think is wrapped up, yeah, sort of paper origami top uh, setup so there's some value to the to, to the there's an aesthetic value prize, yeah. to the prize uh the, tro- the trophy came as a pdf document and could be printed and assembled to make a three-dimensional gear with teeth oh, very um because cool. um they did that during covid because the, they all, couldn't do everything was done on zoom yeah. so um so the applied cardiology prize went to uh, uh, uh eliska prochazkova Mm-hmm. Uh, and colleagues for seeking and finding evidence that when new romantic partners meet for the first time and feel attached to each other's, their heart rates synchronize. Ah. 
Love exciting and new. All right. Uh, so the literature prize yep. went to Eric Martinez and colleagues for analysis that makes legal documents unnecessarily difficult to understand. So basically, Isn't that all of them. Yeah, but basically, they they, they did an uh, analysis of the language that's used in legal documents. It's deliberate, though. Absolutely. But they, they went into analysis and compared it to other forms like academic papers and, and whatnot. It's and horrifying. It, it, it is a, it is a order of magnitude more. And they said, um, this is one of the, the ones that I read in detail. Basically, they talk about the, the number of nested, mm. um, uh, Components which you have to open a folder for in your brain, yeah, yeah, to absolutely. keep track of, and and so that that um, I think one of the other ones basically talk goes into some if I find the other article basically it talks about how um, some of the language they use is so convoluted and so legalese, it's um, yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Because uh, what everyone, I mean, when people used to listen to uh, the character Humphrey Appleby mm-hmm. talk. In um, yes, minister and yes, prime minister. It was almost like they were like Jim going, "What? That that's like?" But the gag was always that it was just convoluted enough that it was difficult to follow. But it wasn't so convoluted that you didn't know what he was saying. Like you had to know what he was saying to get the gag. The problem with legal documents is they take it to like it's as if Yoda were writing the document. Combined with a robot yep. that basically continues to tack on, correct. If this, and if then this, when this, but because of this, and if you don't really know about it, there's this other thing you probably yep. should think about. It's like another bracket, and then another bracket, and then another. If it was a mathematical function, there'd be like fifteen brackets. You, you need you need to almost draw a sentence tree just to understand what yep. the, the single sentence. So um, they found that. Uh, it is not the complexity of the concepts that are a problem, but rather the st- uh, startlingly high proportion of writing features that are hard to process. Mm. So one of the main culprits was the subclauses embedded in really long sentences. And I'll give you an example. In the event of any payment or benefit um, by the company, all such payments and benefits, including the payment and benefit under Section 3A, hereof being here hereinafter, referred to as the Pay, total payment would be subject to excise tax, then the cash severance payment shall be reduced. Mm. That was one sentence. With, I when, when, when I, I had to do a writing course, mm. part of what they talked about was this idea of not burying the lead. Correct. In legalese, yep. it's totally buried. Correct. And so some of the some of the things I say, they talk about the use of um, Latin phrases. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, other major culprits are uh, uh, um, hard to understand the jargon that could be easily replaced with common day alternatives, including Latin phrases such as ab inito, meaning uh, from the beginning, or ex post facto uh, instead of after, as well as uh, lease or lessor instead of tenant or landlord, yep. and here in after instead of before. Yeah. So it's deliberately designed for people not to be able to read. It's it in, yeah, inside ba- baseball because that's the thing they 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 value they understand it, and they're getting paid lots of money to understand it, and they know most people don't want to deal with this sort of rubbish. If it was written in easier language, more people would probably do it themselves. Like taxation. and people would understand what it is that they're agreeing to and signing. That's why no one pays attention to the software user and user license agreement. No, and they've proven that because yeah. it's like it, to actually read this document would take. Decades. Yep. 
Um, so Michelle's chimed in saying slightly meals. Slightly makes me feel better about not understanding all the legal papers I had to read at uni. Oh, absolutely! Totally. It's it, it, it's designed to filter out people who can't do it's it. It's a feature, not a bug. Mm. All right. Uh, the uh, biology prize went to Solomary Garcia Hernandez and uh, Glauco Macado for studying whether and how constipation affects the mating process of scorpions. As you do. And we're not talking about people with a star sign. No. We're talking about the animal. Scorpions, <laughs> not Scorpios. Correct. <laughs> um, the medical prize went to Marcin Jasinski and colleagues for showing that when patients undergo some form of toxic chemotherapy, they suffer fewer harmful effects when ice cream replaces one traditional component of the procedure. That's pretty cool. Mm. Question, how did they get the ethical approval to do that study? Well, anything that they took out couldn't be critical to the chemo process. Yeah. It's not like you can just go, well, uh, instead of giving you the chemical that kills the cancer cells and yeah. makes you feel like shit, yeah. uh, we're just going to give you ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> True. Um, well, I certainly hope so because otherwise you're right. Mm-hmm. There's no way you would get ethical approval for that. No. Um, and obviously it's terribly subjective. Yeah. Yeah, look, I'm, I'll, look there, there is enough here that I actually want to go and read a few of these papers mm. and I'll probably report in, in future shows about if I go into... I like the idea of the ducks. The ducks. The physics prize went to Frank Fish and colleagues for trying to understand how ducklings manage to swim in formation. So basically, it's, it's all aerodynamics. It's peloton. Yeah, yeah it's peloton. <laughs> so basically, um, the, the, the ducks at the back are surfing. The wave of the the mother or fa- the parent duck plus uh-huh. and, and in the, the jet stream. <laughs> That's right. And so basically, it um, and they measured this. Um, they measured the oxygen levels of the ducklings as they're doing this, and basically show that they they are exerting less, a lot right. less energy and lot, lot, there's a lot less effort being in the tail end of this rather than swimming in some other formation. So this and the diamond shape are effective, the, mm. like in the line or in diamond, but the other ones are actually less effective to swim. And look, hence why they do it. You know, why Amazing Why would you stuff. waste energy if you can actually just slipstream? I love this stuff because it's all, A, it's physics, so it's cool. Yeah. Uh, but B, it's uh, both, I wouldn't say obvious. Mm-hmm. It's obvious to us because we're aerospace engineers. If you think about it, it makes sense, yeah. but you don't normally think about it. No. I mean, but most people who haven't done an aerospace engineering degree... Do not understand laminar flow. Correct. And, and, and that, that look, you, you can ride really close to the tail of this semi-trailer and basically use a lot less energy. Com- yeah, yeah, fuel consumption. That's right. But, you know, you better it, have it comes at risk. Because <laughs> if you have to brake hard. But, you know, I mean, and I, I remember doing this, like, sort of varying the distance from the truck to find and feeling when I was inside... The, you were... Yeah. yeah. And I, I don't know, the... the Aerodynamics, the you know the the aerospace geek that I was, so finding out where where I was hitting the vortices and where I was in the in the sweet spots. So, all right, uh, engineering prize went to uh, Jen Matsuzuki Matsuzaki and colleagues for trying to discover the most efficient way for people to use their fingers when turning a knob. Okay, that's pretty cool. Um, the Art History Prize went to... Oh, what was the answer? I don't know. I, that's one of the ones I haven't read. So, I, I can quickly go to... Yes. There's some... some Sorry, folks. No, no. I need to know. 
So the uh, turning a knob one, I think, actually, I read about the enema one. So um, <laughs> the hallucinogenic uh, effects so, of an enema. <laughs> yes. Um, the the, uh, the other one wasn't in uh, the uh, ABC article that I read. So, but it was the uh, turning a knob one was in the Guardian. Um, uh, a series of lab trials, a team of Japanese industrial designers arrived at a central conclusion that the bigger the knob, the more fingers are required to turn it. The team of ten <laughs> to recognise to be recognised at this year's Ig Nobel Prize for research that makes you laugh first uh, makes you laugh then makes you think not to be confused with the uh, Nobel Prize that's an introduction. Um, the winners were presented with uh, yeah. so uh, the industrial design researchers at Chibi Institute of Technology in Japan whose insight of the rotary controller of uh, columnar knobs won the prize recognising that focusing on the problem that no one cares about. After analysing footage of 32 volunteers turning 47 knobs of assorted sizes, the researchers deduced that the knob but to turn a knob wider than one centimetre, uh, three fingers are normally required, with a shift to four and five fingers occurring when knobs exceed 2.5 and five centimetres in, in diameter. We cannot turn uh, columnar uh, controls of smaller diameter with all five fingers, the team concluded. Which makes sense. Hmm. So if you're – I mean, people think, well, you, you wouldn't have a door handle mm-hmm. that small. Yeah. But if you're turning a volume knob, yep. then you'd only use two fingers. Yep. But if it's bigger than a certain point, you can't get enough traction yep. with two, so you need a third finger and so on and so yep. forth. There you go. There you go. Uh, and it, uh, like he's mentioned earlier, sometimes it just seems logical, but well, no, nobody's done the science. Nobody's done the research. See, the interesting thing there, of course, and this is because I'm a nerd, mm-hmm. um, from the point of view of user interface, yep. like... Um, one of the things, just a, not connected, but makes me think of. Yep. Um, for uh, wooden frames that are used for stitching, mm-hmm. um, well, to, to hold a stitching canvas, mm-hmm. um, obviously the frames uh, have knobs that you tighten or loosen depending upon whether you want to put something in or yep. take something out. Now, the... Um, the age range of people who do this activity ranges from people who are quite young mm-hmm. through to people who are quite elderly. And one of the fe- one of the interesting things about being older, of course, is that you don't have quite the same grip dexterity as well. Yeah. Dexterity. Mm-hmm. So you couldn't just have a circular knob because you may not be able to get get the grip strength yep. you need to be able to turn it. So. How many like you can have knobs with like uh like like a tap mm-hmm. like which is like four yep. um, arms spokes or spokes that's mm-hmm. a better word uh but you can also get uh knobs with three spokes you can get knobs with five spokes yep. you can get basically what is the best for the person who say for example has arthritis in their hands yep. and while this is kind of amusing from the point of view of all well, who would care about mm-hmm. this stuff. Well, you may find, for example, if you go to a knob size that's too big, mm-hmm. it's almost like they don't have enough strength in that many fingers yep. to be able to actually operate the knob, even if the shape actually helps them get extra grip. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah, but and absolutely, I do. Um, so, and I've got, uh, that's why a lot of 
um, from an accessibility point of view, the, there's a move away from knobs and to handles because a it's handle you can to grab a handle, correct? And you can get a, a, a an assistive uh, dog uh, animal to to control a handle where they can't turn a knob. No, so because you need so usable digits. So hence why, <laughs> um, from a, a disability and inclusion an accessibility as- aspect, a door knob will fail an audit, whereas a door handle will be acceptable. So, best. So, yeah, again, it's, it, it, it sounds trivial, and on some levels it is, mm-hmm. but if you have accessibility issues, mm-hmm. none of this stuff is trivial. Precisely. In fact, actually, it's hard to convince people to spend the money on the research in the first place because mm-hmm. people are going to go, it's a perfectly mm-hmm. functional door handle. That's right. Why do I need to do anything? Yep. And because it's, go, functional, because for it's you. functional for you, but yeah. not for anyone else. Correct. Who cannot do mm. what you do. That's right. So imagine imagine ten percent of the population inside the building not being able to get out because they can't turn the handle. Yeah. Now, is that a problem? Well, if you want ten percent of the people in the building to to, to die, die yeah. <laughs> and if, if you if you present it like that, they might change their mind. They might actually understand the importance of these things. And what you're really saying is not that you want 10% of the people to die. You're just mm. saying you don't want people who have this disability working for you. Well, and that's... Uh, and that's the real problem. Correct. All right. Um, so, the Art History Prize went to Peter Deschmidt and uh, Nicholas Helmut for their study, um, a disciplinary approach to the ritual enema scenes in ancient Mayan pottery. <laughs> So basically, they discovered that a lot of this Mayan pottery had scenes painted on them of people, people getting enemas, getting enemas, and they were able to, uh, from the research and d- d- uh, um, the juice, yep, that they were getting, they were somewhere having the enemas uh, delivered to them by others. Um, or they were delivering themselves. They were usually in a public place, um, and uh, they believe it was um, of uh, hallucinogens. So um, they they believe like that a was suppository, but for for hallucinogens. Yeah. So um, and so one of the other articles I go back to this article I think was in the ABC. Actually, started off with this story. Um, spoke about the 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 hallucinogens that they would have been using was basically from the lily. I think of, uh, that was a. Uh, uh, Prevalent or was freely available in the uh, in the Mayan Empire at the time. So um, they indulge in so and then so the thing that was surprising about this is because um, the Mayans had uh, an image of being actually um, qu- quite um, that they didn't indulge in this sort of uh, ritual sort ecstasy. Of, yeah. Um, so they were. Um, I mean, they were they would have human sacrifice and stuff, but they didn't believe there was uh, this sort of. Um, uh, I've often wondered how these practices start. Mm. Like, is this just like a joke that someone <laughs> says, "Try this, try yeah. this, this will this will be great." Just tell them this is what happens. So you reckon if if in in this if the way of we wrote history now it was like that basically when we were recording the Jackass series, you'd have people. Images of people kicking, kicking themselves in, in the nuts and stuff like that. And people in the years to come are looking back on this pottery mm. and going, hmm, mm. I wonder why they were doing <laughs> that. Because it, it kind of seems just plain bizarre. I yep. mean, obviously enemas serve a medical function. Mm-hmm. And so clearly at some point yep. uh, someone was experimenting with additives yep. to the uh, to the water. Mm-hmm. 
to, I imagine, make it less uncomfortable yeah. or less traumatic for yeah. the person going through it. And obviously, you know, it's hardly like, whoa, what was that? <laughs> That's right. You know. It gave me a bit of a buzz. Um, so they said basically the, the hallucinogen, I believe, was from a, uh, a plant called the Morning Glory Seeds. <laughs> um, yeah. What's the story? Um, or part of the Durant, uh, a plant that has with white flowers known as Devil's Trumpet. <laughs> <laughs> this thing writes itself. It does. Um, all right. So quickly going on to the other, other remaining uh, prizes, uh, the price of peace went to uh, Jun Junhai Wu and colleagues for developing an algorithm to help gossipers decide when to tell the truth and when to lie. Ooh. So basically, um, I saw an interview with one of the the colleagues that uh, got the prize, and basically, they, um, she was from the um, from Essex University, I believe, and she was saying, but basically, uh, it all depends on the relationship between the people gossiping and the person that they're gossiping about. So. Um, uh, if if you are gossiping with somebody that you don't trust, and you're gossiping about somebody else you don't trust, there are a lot of lies that go backwards and forwards. If there uh, you're gossiping with somebody who you trust highly, and somebody uh, you're gossiping about somebody who you trust, then you you won't lie. The, you tell truths. Yeah. The the difficulty becomes when you're you got that you got a difference stretch between those two points. Yes, yeah, right. So, um, and basically, it's like, uh, and then it's it's not just about that. It's about like how you interpret the information you're getting when when you're gossiping. So, what is the likelihood I'm being lied to? Correct, and that's that is what they see the yeah. where they see the value. Because I was wondering what what was the payoff algorithm? Yeah, here, you know? correct. So it's like, well, if you if we're gossiping and I'm getting this information, what is the validity of this information? So where do you, where do I rank you in terms of uh, source of information? Reliability. What is your relationship with the person you're giving me the information about? So well, let's face it. If you were telling me deep personal secrets about the Queen, correct, I'd be like, hmm, yeah, where's this? information coming from it would have to be true like you would have to basically be you have to be telling me something that's almost unimportant in yeah. order for me to believe it yeah yeah but, you know so anyway so that they did research about that and and this is not the only research they've done basically these people actually have done a string of series a string of research about gossip and how they define gossip is basically if you are talking about somebody who is not there that that's the extent so not not what biblically is decided as gossip and not what you read in the papers is basically no 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 it's basically just saying are you talking about someone not to someone correct correct uh, the prize for economics went to uh, Alessandro um, Pluccino and colleagues for explaining mathematically why success most often goes not to the most talented person or people but instead to the luckiest well I, I saw a uh YouTube clip from a mob, a guy Veritas, Veritas, yeah, yeah, and he was explaining um, how luck, like the the role of chance, uh -huh. and um, he said the problem is when it turns out when you look at success, when we're talking about the difference between you know person A and person uh -huh. B at that top level, it's down to good fortune. Yep. Like for example, they they said with like ice hockey. Uh -huh. Um, it all depends on when you're born. Yep. Because when you get picked, if you're six to nine months older than your compatriots, yep. you have a physical advantage yep. that will carry through mm -hmm. 
and will magnify because you're you deemed to be better, so yep. you get more attention and more training, which just reinforces your advantage. Correct. And a lot of those luck things work in that fashion. Yep. Once you once the dial points towards you, mm-hmm. everything else is positive feedback. Yep. So you just get better and better. Yep. But your initial selection was down to chance. It's a selection bias that comes in, yeah. However, the real paradox is this. In order to be um, in order to try your best, mm-hmm. which you do need to do, and show up for luck to take a chance, you have to believe it's all up to you. Yep. Like, you have to have that certainty in your head that mm-hmm. your success is due to your efforts. Mm-hmm. Well, at the same time, it's not due to your efforts. Yep. But you can't allow yourself to no. believe that because if, if you do, you, you, you'll you, you try If you believe hard. it's just luck, then it's right. The problem is, of course, that people who believe that it is totally down to their efforts... Yeah tend to, in plain terms, be assholes. They, they downplay. they the, downplay. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, if I just did it all through my that's own right. talent, yeah. what's your excuse? Correct. And that's the thing. It's like- I worked harder. I yeah, stu- yeah. studied more. I mm-hmm. uh, did more to, 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 to You just need to success. pull yourself up from the back bootstraps just like you're I did. You're poor because that's you right. deserve it. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're unhappy because you deserve it. Yep. And- Yep. yep. You can go into the whole Jim Crow. We can go anyway. Uh, uh, that's probably one I'll probably read. Oh, absolutely! About. It sounds like very interesting. And finally, the safety engineering prize went to Magnus Gen for developing a moose crash test dummy. Yeah, love so. it. Love it. All right, it is eleven thirty-six. We are so far behind this show. <laughs> we we're still in the uh, miscellaneous category. We've got all the other ones to talk about. We've got less than an hour. We will have to pick and choose. Like, oh, like I said, there was no way we we're getting through all the stuff. No, no, no. I will. We will definitely talk about the ones that I. I I promoted on the on the post. That way, if people come here expecting Looking for it, we will do it. We will deliver. deliver. All the other stuff we'll have to we'll just get either, shoved into the too hard bin. We'll either <laughs> not get covered at all, or or we'll cover it in future weeks. Luck. <laughs> <laughs> so we do a station break. We'll do an, another song, and we'll be back in a little while. Oh, that's right. That doesn't work anymore, does it? No. This one. Back soon. Take it easy. We're back. We're back. It's not rocket surgery here on 98.9 Northwest FM episode 323 of this uh, science, technology, and geek culture phenomenon. Yes. And it's only taken us an hour and 15 minutes to talk, to, to get to the third uh, story. <laughs> Sadly, that's true. Um, but look, there were significant, two big significant stories. That is true. Um, and we did preload it saying that there's so much to talk about um so we will probably move how about what, what i promised i'm gonna first look at what i promised um yeah episode 323 of it's not rocket surgery uh it's not rocket surgery at r-c-k-t-s-r-g-o-y that's rocket surgery no vowels um space story it's artemis one artemis one so when we were last on air artemis one was about to launch yes um and then it Scrub the launch. Scrub the launch because of a leaky uh, um, nitrogen. Yeah, funnily enough. But as I said Those, to people, better mm. that they delay the launch mm-hmm. than the launch is blown up. <laughs> Correct. So, um, and then uh, they scheduled it for later that week. Yes, and then and same it problem. Got scrubbed. He got scrubbed. So uh, the. Um, yeah, and both times I was actually – well, the first time I was – I had the feed on and it was like 
counting down, counting down, and yep, and then I go, and then nothing happened. So the second time, <laughs> I was um, I, I even posted to the it's not rocket surgery uh, f- Facebook feed saying, look, that's going to happen. It's going to happen. Yes, it didn't happen. Didn't happen. Um, and I knew it was sort of not looking good when I was listening to the live uh, stream. And the good thing is, it's like you can actually live stream this now, and I do, it's all it's scary, all, isn't it? So it's, it's pretty well. They stop talking about the imminence of the launch and they start talking about stuff's happening and yeah. we're on standby mm-hmm. and then standby. It's kind of like uh, having your flight cancelled. Yeah. It never, it's not like you're going to go, you're going to go, you're going to go, you're going to go and then boom, suddenly everyone says, oh, sorry, the flight is now cancelled. Yeah. It's like you're going to go and then suddenly it's like delayed and then there's discussions and you see people with radios coming to the plane yeah. and then leaving again and no one tells you anything. Yep. And that's how it would have been, I imagine, with Artemis, you know. There'd be people there watching and then they'd be seeing people with radios running around, yep. talking into them with uh, earnest uh, expressions on their face. And then finally it would be like, yeah, sorry, folks, not going to happen. You have to go back into the lounge and, you know. <laughs> Find yourself another plane or <laughs> book yourself a hotel. Look, I've been on planes that have had that happen to it. Oh, yeah. Not great. Uh, no. So basically they they would um, – so they're preparing for a launch to now take place on the 27th of September. So it's going to be the third attempt of the first launch of Artemis 1. And it's really important. I mean, I don't know, uh, for those people who may not know, Artemis 1 is the replacement launch vehicle for them first to go to the moon mm-hmm. and then to go yeah, so this is beyond. the the dub the mega moon rocket yes. the, the SLS it's 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 in the same class as the Saturn V but bigger but bigger because they're not just going to the moon they're going to go to Mars with this it needs to go further correct so so by extension having it go boom on the launch pad is bad correct and that's the thing it's like going boom means you got to Find out why it went boom and because you build can't just another build another one, one and, and then yeah. chuck it on there next week. Well, they can, but not no next week. Get not it. next week. They can build another one, but not next week. People are not going to get into a rocket that they just watched go up like a fire, fire can- <laughs> like a candle, like a candle. No. <laughs> uh, so yes, the uh, SLS, the space launch system, um, yeah, uh, still waiting to embark on its maiden voyage. So to the moon. So this will just go to the moon, loop around a few times. Yeah, yeah. This is Apollo eight. Correct. So. Um, Correct. Because, again, it's like landing on a planet is its own special set of mm-hmm. magical circumstances. Yeah. And why would you want to run the risk of... Uh, it's better to get one thing right and get that right so you don't have to think about it and then try and get the next thing right the next time you and go. And the fact that they've scrubbed this a couple of times proves that this iterative approach is what works. And so... Second and first... Apollo, Apollo, the whole program worked. So, well, they learnt a lot from, unfortunately, the fire that killed mm-hmm. the astronauts in Apollo One. Correct. Right up to the point where, by Apollo Thirteen, mm-hmm. they knew they knew so much about that craft mm-hmm. and what it was and wasn't capable of that they were able to solve problems that they couldn't even conceive of. Yeah. Let alone um, had ready solutions mm-hmm. for. Yep. You know. So, all right. And look, they're, they're adopting the engineering approach. They're, uh, they are they're being cautious and methodical. It's almost like they're doing it for the first time. Correct. Absolutely. So, this this will be exciting. So, um, so what, that 
27th of September is what nine days away. I'm always amazed that you know those launch windows for this sort of stuff are so close. But then I remember we're talking the moon here. We're the not moon, talking yeah. about Mars. Mars or another planet. So Mars is like a there's the um, the further away they are, the further away the launch windows. Yeah, are. and and so and they have yeah with Mars it's sort of like when our orbit and then the Mars orbits. Are as close as possible. Correct. Well, not necessarily because because if you launch when you're close as possible, basically potentially one could be moving away from the other one. So, so there are windows where the optimal time to go. Yeah. So, um, and likewise with these, it's like well, where's the moon in relation to where we're launching from and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah. um, and and in weather. So that's the other thing. This they got to worry about. They're heading into her- hurricane season, and uh, you know. But this is that boring. that might be that might throw spanners in the work as well. The, the more it delays, but look. They'll, they'll do it carefully. All right. Um, and you mentioned the uh, SpaceX mm, explosion. Bang. So that was um, earlier this week? Or, yeah. Yeah. So I, I heard about it on the radio, but I haven't read any articles about it. So I haven't read much. Well, Just, all no, I heard I was... that it happened. Yeah. And they're basically going, yeah, that's not what we wanted mm, to happen. But the, the cargo was returned. So it sounded for, like yeah. um, it was unfortunate, not catastrophic. If that makes any sense, yeah, you know that it wasn't a uh, an unmitigated disaster. It was just a case of, um, hmm, you know, something happened that we don't know. Obviously, it puts a bit of a kibosh on. um, It puts a kibosh on what we were hoping we were going to do, but uh, you know, at the end of the day, uh, we didn't lose too much, um, other than the rocket. So you know. Okay. Let's see if I can find it. Um, and apparently Blue Origin also had a problem. So Blue Origin um, being the Amazon, Jeff Bezos's rocket, yeah, um, also had a, a, a boarded launch on Monday uh, when a rocket booster exploded just <laughs> m- just more than a minute into flight. That's so, not an aborted launch. That's a, that's it's all over. <laughs> um, and well, I guess while I got talking about Jeff Bezos, there was an interesting article about um, second richest man now. Third is, richest man is he? Uh, uh, apparently, Adani is, took Je- uh, Be- uh, Jeffrey Bezos' okay. place. Um, apparently, there was somebody m- making comment about his naming convention on uh, his uh, capsules. Oh, okay. Um, wondering whether the uh, the third richest man now, I guess, um, <laughs> is aware that basically he's naming him after. Uh, uh, communists, uh, called communist sympathisers. Oh, really? His name, uh, the capsule, is uh, for Blue Origin um, uh, New, New Shepherd 23. He's mm-hmm. named it uh, the RSS HG Wells. Okay. Who is a known uh, communist or communist sympathiser. And one of the other ones was um, uh, the... Uh, Self-proclaimed socialist, uh, the uh, Jules Verne's, yeah, was also a social sympathizer, and one of his previous capsules was named after Jules Verne's. It's hardly, I don't know. <laughs> they are inspirational sci-fi writers, I guess. Yeah, exactly. But, it's not exactly um, uh, Burgess and McLean and <laughs> uh, Philby and yeah, the Cambridge Five. No. I'm anyway. pretty sure if he was trying to, if he was naming them after those guys, then uh, he'd be getting a knock on the door. Probably. Uh, so look at and look. There were some other space stories. James Webb. Um, now, moon there was a story about uh, 
something that James Webb saw that's making us rethink the laws of physics or the Big Bang? Uh, yes, so this was oh, a few weeks ago. So basically they were saying that... Um, but it's hardly like it's overturning every single thing we actually know. Yeah. Now I, I remember hearing about this probably about two or three weeks ago and I can't remember what it was It just about. means I think that the Big Bang happens over... Because basically because they can see galaxies further and further away. Obviously yeah. they're seeing them further and further back in time and they're expecting to see very young, ill-formed Correct. galaxies. And, and, and they were far more coherent yes. than they were expecting. Yep. So that, that's that's changing what yeah what they knew about the universe yes um so and and for these have to have these types of galaxies to have um formed in this amount of time means that it might have happened the way that they were were saying so yes um and that's the benefit of actually expanding the visible universe to Who beyond you? No, no. <laughs> you actually you know you have a theory that uh, you want to um check Having an instrument like the James Webb Telescope actually gives you that capacity. Yep. And sometimes what you find out is uh, what you thought was slightly wrong. Yep. But, you know, we've known that since year eight. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Here's what we taught you last year. It's slightly wrong. Yep. Here's a better version. Um, there was uh, so some moon stories. I wanted to find the, the naming of the Uranus mission. <laughs> Because <laughs> um, it's, it's in the space category, but it's not appearing here. So I might have to cover it later. Um, yeah, so I think we probably have to move on from space to, I think so. to cover some of the other stuff. Yep, do what, it. Uh, the cheating chess champion. Yes, the guy who then said, look, I'll, I'll play nude just to prove that mm. I didn't cheat. Yeah, so basically this came as, as a result of uh, uh 19-year-old grandmaster um, beat... Um, Magnus uh, Carlsen, who has yep. been a a god amongst chess players for the last ten years, yep. and basically he's um, he's uh, charismatic. He does Vogue shoots. He's he's not your typical chess champion, no, um, and has been a dominant force in chess for, like I said, over a decade. Um, but he shockingly lost in St. Louis to a nineteen a nineteen year old um, from New Jersey, I believe. Um, and people, uh, I think what prompted this was basically um, Magnus then pulled out of the tournament completely, so chose not to play any more of the, of the uh, matches in his tournament in the tournament. Yep, and posted a, a slightly cryptic um, tweet to announce that he wasn't um, continuing to play and compete. Tournament. And basically, it was a tweet of uh, uh, Jose Mourinho when he was basically saying that uh, he can't say anything because if he said anything, he'd be in big trouble. And that said, "Oh, actually, what's going on here?" And then, and then the um, competition organisers basically changed a few things that made it look like they suspected uh, the uh, the newcomer Hans Nyman. Uh, of cheating, yep, um, and that started a whole heap of uh, conspiracy theories, and to the point where basically uh, there were there were rumours about him using uh, anal beads um, to to have somebody communicate. So one of the changes that the the organisers did was basically brought in a fifteen minute delay between uh, the live feed 
and to prevent anyone basically using the feed to influence. Correct. So the the accusation was somebody was was using a computer simulation and providing uh, him uh, moves in real time. Correct. So it's like it's like the equivalent of somebody coughing when you're going to do the wrong move or the right move. So or your classic. Uh, uh, Las Vegas uh, trying to cheat the, the table mm, kind of correct. thing. You have uh, some guy who's got eyes on the cards mm-hmm. or, you know, can influence the... Correct. So, and look, and I think why this um, was more of a story than had... It had it's not it's chess. <laughs> well, it, well, it's chess, but also uh, Hans um, has actually admitted to cheating twice in, mm, in, in, the, past. in the past on... Um, Online competitions so that he could improve his ranking so that he could play against better better players. Better players. Yeah. So he he admitted to gaming the system, um, but as a result, I guess there's now a trust issues. So and he's been banned from playing on Chess.com um, probably for that reason. For that reason. So um, and uh, there's been analysis about the, the game and and whether how uh, could such a player as him uh, of his caliber beat a renowned chess champion. Look, I mean, it's happened in the past, and uh, it. I mean, these things happen that that um, players of lower rank can occasionally upset um, mm. decent players. And so, some of the interviews I I, I um, listened to were basically people who have played um, Magnus Carlsen and basically managed to get a draw out of him and were like blown away because of the, the difference really in hard. ranking and stuff yeah. like that. So, um, But anyway, I think this was the whole people saying, oh, who used anal beads and because and, uh, with that technology you're able to turn things on and off and basically it becomes a, a – you can – Use that as a Morse code. I don't want to think about what that would be like to try and mask that. Oh well, that's just that's that's why it became a a, a, a story of comedians like, like Stephen Colbert and stuff doing the whole. Uh, oh, it's like uh, I'll move my king. To- <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he'll look like Douglas Reynolds. <laughs> Precisely. So, but anyway, Ugh. who said chess was boring? <laughs> Big claims need big evidence. Yeah. Look, I mean, and I saw basically the routine that they uh, they undergo before they even start the game. They get scanned. Yeah. They have they have basically the the, the wands that you get at the airport mm. to to check for mm. metallic and electronic devices on their body. Absolutely. So, because so, they already know that uh, it is well within the capabilities of most modern computers mm. to. Uh, you you can train up a computer yep. in a remarkably short period of time now mm-hmm. to be a world chess champion. Yeah, the capability already exists. Mm-hmm. And as I said, like the the, the cool thing of um, this is a, a story I heard ages ago. It was exciting to watch the chess development of the the computer as it got better because mm-hmm. basically it's like here are the basic rules. Play yourself. Yep. Yeah, and he, you you kept playing, and you would use that information to improve, and then you would keep playing and use that information to improve. And they said it was interesting to watch the the computers develop known chess strategies spontaneously, yep, and then abandon those chess strategies as they got better. Yep, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. 
Yep, and it's. I mean, and AI is being used for for that, basically to train itself. Um, and it comes up with. I mean, the whole folding proteins and stuff like that. We've spoken many times. Yes. Um, the the amount you can actually of different um, processes or, or systems or whatever you can crunch through on a computer, you can never achieve in multiple lifetimes. No. So, uh, yeah. I was watching uh, Westworld Season 4 mm-hmm. and there's a moment there where you realise one of the characters, and this isn't a big spoiler, it's, it, it's, it's telegraphed at uh, the appropriate time, where this character basically, um, he's gone, essentially gone inside the machine and, the, and uh, he meets a character he knows and that character says to him, I can give you the gift of time. Mm-hmm. Basically, you know... Um, for every year that passes outside, uh, a millennia passes here. Okay. So you have plenty of time. And what basically you can do with that time is literally simulate the world. And so uh, they'd already forecast that something bad was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And then he had the opportunity to just go through every single... Kind of like um, Doctor Strange Gosh, yeah. in, um, in Avengers Infinity War. Yeah. And he can look through all of the possibilities. And it's really cool afterwards because he comes out of it and it's that classic, um, yeah, you're going to need that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, you, you know, and it's like, I need that napkin. Yep. And then five seconds later, the waitress spills coffee. Yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> and, and then he's so relaxed about it because it's not even like, oh, I do X and Y happens. Mm-hmm. It's like, Y happens and now I know that, all right, the futures have collapsed from this down to a smaller subset. And he said, yeah, in most of them we get through this, but in some we don't. You know, and he's just super calm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, and and that's the amazing part about it. It's that idea of um, if you went through every single possible future combination and you came out of it, like from that simulation... Would you be like? I suppose you would even know if you, your your own anxiousness is like you're trying to like you know so much and you're forcing the issue and then that backfires on you and it fails. Yep. And so you would pass through that phase too, yep. where it's like you know what, I'm just going to stand here in the car. It's like it's like it's Groundhog, uh, Groundhog Day, Day yeah. yeah, where he's just you know freeze yeah. and five, four, three, and, and then even in the end, it's just like you know what, doesn't matter. I've gone through all of them. Yeah. Like, there is no mm. variation of this day that yep. I have not seen. Yep. Yeah. You know. Uh, um, uh, Maria's chimed in on Facebook. She said hello. Cool. Hello. Uh, she said, hi, crew. I'm listening from the land of olives and gods. Nice. Very nice. Uh, uh, yes. Thank you, Maria. Um, where was I going? Um, what were we talking about? Future. Future. I can't remember why we're talking about that. Um, we were talking about this. This is the like. Come on, brain. Uh, <laughs> we were talking right. about chess AI. Oh and yeah, it, yeah. Basically, the ability to uh, mass process correct different combinations yeah. and so on, just brute force solutions. And so basically, uh, a lot of the um, well, not even to brute force solutions hmm. actually to get refined solutions mm-hmm. through multiple attempts. It's like literally learning how to learn. Yeah, uh, and uh, the online competitions basically they will monitor for strategies <laughs> which which appear too too much like a computer yeah. program so if you are using a computer program to cheat they will detect they, you. they will detect you so you know, you've got to have that human randomness to it to make it look like you're a real human 
and it can't be just oh well, I'll just jump in and I'll make a random move because no, no. people will see like oh you've been it, playing like a, a chess god it's a, and now you're playing like a new. It's a probabilistic thing. So and it's, back to playing like a chess yeah. god. All right, how about we move on? Lots of had a lot of stories about AI art. Can talk about that. Oh. We've, we've spoken about that. We could probably talk about that uh, another time. You have an entire show devoted. Um, to what it. else did I promise that we'll talk about? We spoke about uh, launch one chess cheating Dungeons and Dragons turns forty. I know. So there are a few. Uh, uh, that is actually. Uh, this is where it would be cool to get someone like uh, Rebecca. Okay. Again. Yeah. Um, obviously, I've been playing Dungeons Dungeons and Dragons since the late 1990s. Mm-hmm. So a while. Mm-hmm. What I'm amazed at is young players playing today play a different game for different reasons than necessarily I did. Okay. Because I think the world... It used to be that people would play what was presented, but they would play it in new and interesting ways. Mm-hmm. Now it's almost like um, D&D, but freeform. Like, people will spend... It, 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 it's the uh, the computer generation, or computer gamer generation, meeting the role-playing generation, where, for example... Uh, in computer games, you build your avatar mm-hmm. and you customize that and you customize it and you customize it and it's very much you. Well, in role-playing, you can build a character. Yep. But the character, like as far as the game's concerned, the stats for the character are quite minimal. You know, you just need to know how strong it is, how fast it is, what race it comes from, what its alignment is and a couple of other stats and you're good to go. What is the special abilities? No problem. Mm-hmm. Who gives a shit? (laughs) Like, what they're more interested in, it seems, is backstory, character, Mm -hmm. what they look like, what they sound like, what they... Like, they personalise these characters a lot more than I would. And I love character creation. Yeah, yeah. Um, But as a group, they do this. Okay. Like, as in, it's the norm, not the exception. Okay. Whereas, for people of my generation... It's more the game. Well, it's more the... What is the optimum set of characteristics yeah. that will enable me to play this game? And, yeah. oh, by the way, he uh, he's an elf <laughs> yeah. and he shoots arrows and he has a cloak and he doesn't want to talk to people because he's aloof and mysterious. Mm-hmm. All right, done. And then I roll a dice and I go, yeah, hit. <laughs> but you're like, you know, 500 metres away through dense forest. I've got a plus 25 on my shooting. Yeah. You know, like they know the stats mm-hmm. for the abilities but you say, oh, what was your mother's name? I don't know. I don't care. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think, I don't know. I, I get, th- and that's just my impression, which is why I would be really interested okay. to talk to someone well, who is much, much, much younger than I am, who's maybe, played a lot more. We could get Rebecca, we could get Stefan in. Yeah, both would be yeah. very interesting to talk to. Okay. Well, you know we, what I mean? We've got, we got a future show that we can... Excellent. So we might... Uh, I mean, Patrick plays with Rebecca, okay. so he's another person that right. would be interested to talk to. And he's played with us for a long time. Oh, yeah. So he's kind of more of a bridge between the two this worlds. This could be a Zoom session. Oh, yeah. That mm-hmm. would be very cool. All right. Uh, so how about we, we, can, we can talk park about that? that. <laughs> I think we park that. Um, I found a, a, a cool list of the best tabletop game role-playing games at the moment. Okay, cool. So I just wanted to... Uh, See what you what you, you thought see about how them. out of date I am. <laughs> no, no. To see what you thought, whether you heard of these and what you thought, and I know you've heard of some of these. I've heard you speak about some of them. Okay, so. cool. All right. So the best, according to this list on Wargamer dot uh, com, so the best uh, tabletop RPGs, uh, Blades in the Dark, okay, uh, Night Witches, mm-hmm. 
Cyberpunk 2020, mm-hmm. uh, Mouse Guard, mm-hmm. uh, Warhammer 40K, yep. uh, Wrath and Glory, yep. uh, Legends of the Five Rings, yep. um, Mork Borg, okay. um, I believe that's a Swedish one, mm-hmm. um, Call of Cthulhu 17, oh, yeah. uh, Star Wars role-playing game, mm-hmm. and Dungeons and Dragons 5e. Yep. What do you think? I probably know half of those. Okay. Certainly the ones that have been around as long as I have. Like mm-hmm. So, um, while Warhammer 40K Wrath and Glory is the latest version mm-hmm. of 40K role-playing, 40K role-playing has been going for many years. Yep. Legend of the Five Rings, I got first edition back in 1999, I think. Okay. Um, Call of Cthulhu predates even that. Yep. Um, obviously, D&D 5E is the latest edition. Yep. That's been going now for about, I don't know, six, seven years, mm-hmm. maybe, I think. Um, different to 3E, which is where I've... Like, I started playing, actually, second edition. Okay. Um, which was Advanced Dungeons & Dragons. Yep. But uh, third edition was where it became open license where they open it up outside of the original creators. Okay. Anyone, who could, anyone could create content mm-hmm. so long as they conformed to the, um, the D20 system. Okay. But for your boots. Yep. And you wouldn't have to pay a licensing fee. You just had to acknowledge that it was part of the open Creative Commons license. Yeah. And so that introduced a, just a gargantuan number of developers mm-hmm. uh, and game designers to have a crack at... So a lot of amateur people got their yep. first foot in the door, building mm-hmm. third edition modules. Fourth edition moved away a lot from some of that to a more tactical game, like Wizards of the Coast, the people who do Magic the Gathering. Yep. They bought uh, D&D okay. and then they kind of... Tried to... Uh, see, they, 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 Wizards of the Coast put out third edition, so mm-hmm. it's not like they bought something that was working and then they killed it. <laughs> but... In 4th edition and then obviously 5th edition, they've changed it again, where they, in 4th edition, it was a tactical game. Yep. So, you know, how many squares, how many, like, it was almost like a a board game, chess game. Uh, But what suffered, obviously, was character development, character creation. Yep. Unless you, the players themselves, built into it. Yep. 5th edition was kind of like a a move between 3rd edition and 4th edition. Okay. Where... It was more, not as stat heavy as third edition, mm-hmm. not as tactical as fourth. And so, okay, m- more scope for people to try stuff. Um, Call of Cthulhu, I I love. Yep. But I mean, it's a terrible game, but I love it. <laughs> and I've been terrible as in, uh, it's very hard to get out of a good Call of Cthulhu game what you get out of, say, D&D. Yep. In D&D, for most people, it's... Um, character development, character development, get better, get stronger, get faster, get stuff. Yep. You know, um, murder hobos. <laughs> but where, you know, you start where you're probably kicking down doors and killing goblins at the start. By the end, you're kicking down doors and killing dragons. Right. And it's the same character. Okay. Just gone up to a point where you retire the character rather than the character die. Okay. Um, Call of Cthulhu, you don't really last that long. Yeah. And you have a trait called sanity. And the more you investigate into things man was not meant to know, the more your sanity takes a hit. Right. And eventually you start picking up mental derangements yeah. that, uh, shall we say, compromise your ability to survive the game. Right. <laughs> um, makes for a great game, but got it. The, 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 the player wastage rate is quite right. high. Okay. Um, at least the way we play it. 
Uh, 40k, uh, standard sort of role-playing game, but in a really kind of dangerous universe. Okay. So, uh, you could, if your DM loves you, yeah. it's a rollicking superhero ride of epic proportions yeah. where you kick down doors and you slay demons and yep. you become a hero. If you play it how I think it should be played, you die almost every third <laughs> session or something like that because the universe is that dangerous. Yeah. Um, you know, you don't kick down a door unless you know what's on the other side. Yeah. And sometimes you just can't because there's a lot of stuff in the universe that's guaranteed to kill you. Okay. Uh, depending on the kind of character you play. Yeah. Um, some of the earlier ones sound a little more like anime. Okay. Um, Cyberpunk 2020. Cyberpunk 2020 is a new version of an old game. Okay. Um, similar to Shadowrun. In yep. fact, they're all like linked back to William Gibson um, Neuromancer okay. um, novels or the, the novel and oh. then his, you know, sequels. Um, where it's uh, an inhuman world where technology and humanity kind of exist in mm-hmm. a co-equal partnership. Okay. Where people have no problem having surgery on themselves mm-hmm. to give them capabilities. If, I don't know if you've ever seen the film Johnny Mnemonic. Yes. Where basically, Long for example, yeah. you know, he, he had surgery to build in um, hard, hardwired memory into his head mm-hmm. that he could act as a courier for. Mm-hmm. Um, or you could have, like, things that increases your reflexes or yep. makes you, you know, have weapons come out of your mm-hmm. hands. That kind of world. Yep. But where um, things were run in the shadows by uh, uh, corporations mm-hmm. and a lot of stuff that really mattered happened with, say, black ops teams and stuff like that. Yep. Very dystopian view of the yep. near future. Same thing with cyberpunk. Only in cyberpunk, it was more like you had characters that were fighting against that system. Okay. As opposed to merely being citizens of it. Yep. Um, as I said, a couple of those others sound like almost like Japanese animation. Uh, so there was Mouse Guard. Mouse Guard's different. That's a role-playing game based off of a board game. Okay, it says it's a role-playing game based off a comic book series. Yeah, well, the board game is based off the comic okay. book series. <laughs> and the idea is that you play heroic mice mm-hmm. and you, you're fighting against cats. Yeah, and that's right. I remember you mentioning yeah. this story, this one to me. Like, the, the, the board game is almost like a role-playing game. Okay. All right. Uh, so, Legend of the Five Rings. That is uh, a Asian fusion game mm-hmm. uh, where you are... You basically you have samurai, yep. and but it's mixed into a country that looks a lot like medieval China. Okay, um, it's not Japan, but it is Japan. Okay, but um, you also have demons and monsters and magic, and uh, you have a very strong um, social system. Okay, that you both lean into and fight against. Uh, Mork Bork. That uh, I th- I think I've heard of it. Uh, but so. It's a self-disciplined doom metal uh, album of a game. Morkbook ain't for the faint-hearted. It's apocalyptic world. Um, the rules are light and consequences are for simply existing are heavy. Created by a couple of ingenious, um, deeply disturbed Swedes <laughs> named Pell Nilsson and uh, Johan Nor. Mokbok is filled with serpent-worshipping cultists, insidious cannibals, and deadly miseries. Hey, sounds like uh, Conan the Barbarian, only you're not Conan. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You're like the poor bastard who gets pulled before the sacrificial knife and fed to the snake god. 
Um, so yes, uh, in this RPG trimmed of fat, hyper-focus on the core elements that make a tabletop playing fun. Combat is fast and players only have four stats that no throwaway abilities cluttering their sheet. Anyone uh, can use magic via sacred skulls and the game's rules are loose enough to encourage freewheeling and hilarious roleplay. So, look... An interesting list. So I just a game that isn't on that list that I would be. I, I've wanted to play it, but mm. you got to find the right group. Yeah, a game called Ten Candles. Okay, and the idea is really simple. There is no dice. Okay. Well, I think there's no dice. There's, there's, there's like there's, you know you you have a character. Basically, you know you're going to die. Okay. Right. Once the last candle goes out, that's it. Okay. Um, but it's it's kind of like uh, the the other has come, and you are survivors from the initial other attack, uh-huh. and it's like you had, and the, the idea is really cool because um, you play it literally where the only light is from the ten candles, mm-hmm. and so by the time you get to that last candle when it goes out, you go into complete darkness. Yep. And one of the things you do at the start when you're creating your characters, you record like a little like five minute, well, like so one minute. Uh, spiel like, a, like almost like a message to yourself yep. and once that last candle goes out you play those messages back uh-huh. and so of course everyone's gone through this journey over that time uh-huh. um, and it's almost like you hear the hope you had at uh-huh. the beginning of the session <laughs> play out as a counterpoint to how it ends right and you know from what I understand it's quite poignant okay you know but it requires, I think, people willing to try something a bit different. Okay. Sounds interesting. All right. It is 20 past 12. Let me play a couple of... We need to do a station break. We're, we, we're required to. Yep. We'll play a couple of quick songs and we'll come back and we'll finish this off. Sounds good. All right. So, let me just do this one. Here we go. Bang. And we're back. Yes, back-to-back songs. Woohoo! Both of them less than a minute. <laughs> so that was uh, The Stone Roses with uh, Elizabeth, My Dear, and then followed by The Beatles with Her Majesty. Very good. All right. Um, it looks like the uh, Institute of Recording has died about half an hour ago. Well, that's not good. That's terrible. All right. Anyway, um, fingers crossed it works at home. All right. Uh, we are we've got five minutes. Just enough time to do that Uranus story that I was talking about. <laughs> do it. All right. You know you want to. I do, absolutely. So basically there was um, the the, uh, the NASA has announced that they're sending a probe to Uranus. And so they have, like many um, organizations, gone to um, crowdsourcing naming. As you do. You know. But that's never gone which, wrong. Which gave us Bodie, Bodie McBoatface. Um, so, so yes, uh, the public, the unofficial Twitter account for the um, Uranus probe, um, orbiter probe, yep, um, hopes to launch in 2030, and they basically put out a tweet saying, "All right, we're asking the public to come up with names for the probe going to Uranus." So, <laughs> sure enough, surely it's going to be named Proctologist One. <laughs> that is one of the ones. That, so one of the one of the um, 
one of the communities uh, basically came up with a whole heap of good ones. So, and I'm going to read out some of them. So, Do it. so the uh, Ice Giants fan community um, came up with a, a, a good list. So, as a, a serious list. So, Anu, which is the Mesopotamian god for of the sky, Aphrodite, Apricity, reflection of light from a frozen surface. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bode, after the uh, or Bodhi, uh, Norse god, no, named after the astronomer uh, ah. Johann Albert Bode, uh, who determined the planet's orbit and suggested the the presence. Um, Boreas, the Greek god for the north wind. Calus, mm-hmm. uh, which is the Roman god for the skies. Uh, Caroline, after the astronomer Caroline Herschel, um, sister of William Herschel. Discovery, uh, Earhart, uh, E-S-C-H-R, acronym for the Exploratory Spacecraft of Herschel uh, Expanded Reports, uh, Endurance Probe and Shackleton Probe, Frog, um, because Uranus spins on its side, uh, and the uh, Maluti f- River Frog blinks sideways. That's a stretch. Yes, anyway. Um, George M. Sidus, uh, Hermes, a whole heap of other ones. Yeah. Um, Loki, Muse, Odin, Olympus, Seven. I like Seven. So basically Seven with the V and the number Seven in place of the V mm-hmm. because it says it's the seventh planet and the odd spelling for the unusual axis tilt. Mm, that yeah. was clever, I thought. Uh, Shakespeare because a lot of its moons, are na- most of it, all its moons are named after Shakespearean. Uh, characters, yep. um, uh, Tempest, Thor. Um, so they're, they're the serious ones. But they then they came up with a list of joke ones. Look, there are only two, as I said. Uh, proctologist 1 and Preparation H. So Proctologist... Actually, the Proctologist is not on here. Similar sort of things. But So I'll go through these. Uh, acronym ANUS for the uh, Advanced New Uranus Space Mission. Yep. Uh, B-U-T-T, another acronym. Yep. So the Better Uranus Telemetry t- Tracking. Yep. Bootalicious. <laughs> Charmin. Uh, deep Dive. Enema. Mission Colonoscopy. <laughs> Operation Butt Plug. Our Anus. Uh, <laughs> I like that one. That one's cool. Poop. Poop. The acronym for Planetary Orbiter Observation Probe. Yep. Uh, Pegasus. But see, the problem is you're saying poop is going into Uranus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it should never go into Uranus. Well, I liked Pegasus. Yep. Because actually, it's how you say it, it could be peg asses. Um, probe McProbe face. Uh, probe Uranus. Prostate exam. Rectum. Uh, Damn near a, killed him. <laughs> a cinnamon for research educational charging towards yep. Uranus mission. Seymour butts. Uh, Senior Wolf, inventor of the colonoscopy, uh, space heater, uh, suppository, uh, Tauranus, um, UP for Uranus probe, uh, urinal probe, urectum in honor of uh, Professor Hubbard uh, Farnsworth from Futurama, yep. and wandering finger. <laughs> Finger, that's wrong. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> and with that, 
I think we're uh, out of time. We have so many stories we didn't get to. But we, we covered, uh, I think, We a good covered spread. what we said. We covered a good spread. Nice. All right. Um, uh, Andrew, thank you for coming in. No worries. It's, it's been, been a great show. I've enjoyed. Um, it, it, fl- it flew like a probe to Uranus. Yes. Um, <laughs> you know, wandering the Andrew course where it seemed like all of the stuff was at the start. That's right. And then there was this huge rush right at the end. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Uh, thank you to uh, everyone who chimed in during the show. Uh, Jeff, um, Maria, Michelle. Um, thank you for everyone who's listening in the future. This has been episode 323. I should probably queue up one more song. We didn't play many songs during during the night. We're too busy talking. So um, I will probably go out with one of uh, the Queen's favourite songs. So some some classic Vera Lynn. Nice. Um, Yes, this has been episode 323 of It's Not Rocket Surgery. Um, In in the can. can. (laughs) Good night. Good night. 30 seconds. Ignition sequence start. It's not rocket surgery. The latest in science, technology, and geek culture. Astronauts report it feels good. Sunday nights from 10.30. Broadcast and streaming live. Podcast at all the usual podcast places. Follow and like us on Facebook and on Twitter at RCKTSRGRY. Computers now have primary control of critical vehicle functions. The eagle has landed. Hello. I am the genuine real electro-algorithmic total numerical efficiency sorting system. You know. The greatness meter from that was great, wasn't it? Keith is under the weather and having trouble talking. Miracles, am I right? But fear not, season 2 of that was great will not be delayed. Crane kicking off September 9, 33 years to the day it originally debuted, will be jumping on the Cobra Kai coattails to cover the Karate Kid. Join Keith and his friends. And me of course, as we reminisce on our youth via the nostalgic power of a Saturday morning cartoon about Mr. Miyagi, Daniel, and Taki. Wait? Who the hell is Taki? How is she tied to the shrine? Wait? What the hell is the shrine? This seems a long way away from the Ore Valley. Subscribe today. Obviously there will be continuity details from week to week you'll need to keep up with. Follow us on Twitter and Insta and how great was that? Until then, we look forward to you listening. Did he make me say crane kicking off? This is a vast, a podcast in which I, Paul Chomo, talk about the golden age of piracy and answer questions like, how did pirates actually talk? Is that pirate video game any good? What even is a poop deck? Do pirate TV shows and movies get anything right? Spoiler alert, not really, but the truth is far more interesting. The Avast podcast is about pirate history, pop culture, trivia, comedy, and maybe even a little sprinkling of true crime once in a while. Subscribe to Avast wherever you get podcasts, and remember, you have the buckles, darn it. Don't be afraid to swash them. You've been listening to a podcast of the Podfix Network. Discover more audible gems like this at podfixnetwork.com. Make sure to catch up-to-the-minute network shenanigans by following at podfix on Twitter, official underscore podfix on Instagram, at podfixnetwork on Facebook, and make sure to subscribe to Podfix Presents wherever you choose to find podcasts. The Podfix Network, artist owned and loved.